Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. For those of you who are maybe newer to City or you haven't been with us in a while, I wanted to remind us of what I preached on when we first began this series in the Gospel of Mark about the kingdom of God, what is it and how do you live in it. We're about five weeks in. We have about seven more weeks to go in the Gospel of Mark. But in that first series, or that first sermon in this series through the Gospel of Mark, I talked about what the gospel is, what is the good news. I just want to remind us that good news or gospel is taken from the old English word Godspell. In Greek, it's the Greek word euangelion. Let's all say that together. Euangelion, you are now Greek scholars. But you meaning good and gelion being announcement or message. But what's important to know about good news or gospel, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of John, these four gospels, and then the gospel in general. What's important to always remember, and we covered this in depth on the first week, is gospel is a very specific type of good news. As good news is that there's cheeseburgers for lunch today, as as amazing as that is, it does not qualify for gospel. Gospel is a unique technical term. Gospel is a very specific type of good news. Gospel equals the announcement of kings and kingdoms. Royal announcement of world-changing events such as victory and battle, birth of an heir to the throne, or the arrival of a king in a city. In other words, euangelion would be when Queen Elizabeth passed away and King Charles takes the throne. That is euangelion. You see, the four gospel announces a king and a kingdom. That's what it's all about. It is about Jesus as king and his kingdom coming into this world. Now, we are going to take an in-depth look at the feeding of the 5,000. But before we get there, what I want us to do is understand how the Gospels work. Oftentimes, if you're reading the Gospel, we have a lot of people at City Church who are outside of faith, who are new to reading Scripture. Maybe you've never read the Bible before. And then there's many of us that have followed Jesus for decades. But when you read the Gospels, one of the things to uh, to understand is more often than not, the order of things has a purpose. It's not random. There's a Holy Spirit-inspired kind of intentionality about the order of things. What we're getting ready to look at is the feeding of the 5,000 from two fish and five loaves of bread. It's a, a miraculous event. But what we need to know is there's an episode just before the feeding of the 5,000 that's absolutely key. And to prep yourself for it, I want you to take a moment and think about the last time you were at an event where you had to have an invitation to be there. I want you to think it through. Some of you are already smiling and laughing. What was the last event that you were at where you had to get an invitation? Just give me some quick feedback. What were they? A wedding. wedding. How many of you have been to a wedding in your lifetime? You get the wedding invitation, right? Incredible. That was my last event. 
It was last Saturday night. Two students from UVA that have graduated just got married, and I was at their wedding, and there was an invitation. There was like a list, and you had to be on the list to go. Any other events that you've been at where there's invitations? I didn't think so. So with that said, because none of us are that important, right? We don't get, it's just weddings. But I want you to picture what it's like. You get that invitation, and then you go to the event, and it is a banquet in honor of this couple, right? It's a banquet. It's a feast. It's a celebration. What I want you to know is, is that the event that happens before the feeding of the 5,000 is that. It's a unique group of people who've received an invitation to come to a banquet hosted by the king of all of Israel, King Herod. And he throws a banquet for his birthday. And what's important to know is that episode happens in Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 26. And here's the heading in all of your Bibles, John the Baptist beheaded. Now picture, you get an invitation from the king to go to his birthday party. And the heading in the scriptures is, John the Baptist beheaded. Now let's think about this again. You get an invitation to a birthday party, and that's how it ends. It's important. Now, What we find is, is in the episode before the feeding of the 5,000, is that there's this very specific list of people. And so up on the screen, here's kind of a thumbnail sketch of the infrastructure of the story. We're not going to read all about it. But what you have is you've got King Herod's birthday banquet guest list. And on it is Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, with whom he's having an affair. So he's having an affair with his brother's wife. Not only that, there's Herodias' daughter, which makes her Herod's niece. And also, the text is very careful to tell you, there's also an exclusive guest list of the who's who from politics, the military, and religious leadership, and then, of course, John the Baptist. So picture, you're invited to a birthday party in the king's palace. You've made the list. You're a somebody. The only way you're going to get in is if you're the who's who of Israel. The only way. And what the text tells us is that Herodias and the king Herod are having an affair. And you see, the two of them have a problem, and the problem is John the Baptist. By the way, John the Baptist, biblically, is the last of the Older Testament prophets. He dresses like one. He's an odd dude that lives in an odd place, but what he does is he forms or he steps into the function of an Old Testament prophet. And what do Older Testament prophets do in the Older Testament? They always go when the king is in sin and they wag their bony prophetic finger in his face and says, you can't do that. So he goes to Herod and says, you cannot have your brother Philip's wife. And so what does King Herod do? He imprisons him. And he puts him in prison. But the text in Mark 6 says that Herodias nursed a grudge against John because he was the voice of God and keeping her from what she wanted. And so now let's pick up our birthday party story. King Herod throws a huge banquet for his birthday. 
And here's what the text tells us in Mark chapter 6, verses 23 through 29. King Herod's birthday party. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, who, oh, by the way, is his niece, the king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. Now, we're all adults in the room. That kind of a dance is not the dance. Let me just rephrase it. It's creepy. You've got Uncle King Herod and niece, and she's done a dance that has so moved him that he says to her, I'm going to give you half of my kingdom. This is really creepy. Do you catch this? Now let's read on. And she went out and said to her mother, see, she's a minor. She can't answer the king. She has to go to her authority. And so the text says, she went out to her mother and said, what shall I ask for the head of John the Baptist? Herodias answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Wow. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring in John's head. And the man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back his head on a platter and presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. What a birthday party. Now, some of us are really ticked at Herodias right now. But listen, she knows how kingdoms work. She knows. She knows what Herod is about and how that kind of a kingdom actually works. And she has mastered the system. She knows that you have to fight to get on the list. And once you're on the list, you will take anyone out who will ever dream of taking you off the list. She also knows that she does not want 50% of the kingdom. She wants all of it. And in kingdoms like Herod, it's all or nothing. So she makes her move to get all of the kingdom. And what people like her know in kingdoms like Herod's is that when you have the opportunity, you seize it. Even if you use other people and you leave your morality at the door. It's time to get what you really honestly want. And many people know the only way to live there in supposed peace is to silence the voice of God. That's what she does. She has John silenced. Again, Herodias knows how those type of kingdoms work, and she's a master at it. But please know this. This birthday banquet that was to celebrate life is now a banquet of death. And everyone in Israel knows. It would be like the President of the United States executing Billy Graham in the White House. John the Baptist was the most famous religious figure of Jesus' day, and the king has executed him in the palace. What you need to know is a pall of death has now spread over Israel. 
Everyone knows now that no one's safe because John the Baptist was the prophet like the prophets of old. And one thing that kings always did in the Older Testament is they left the prophet alone. This time, the king of Israel has executed the prophet. And there is now the pall of death over Herod's kingdom. And it's under that that Jesus feeds the 5,000. These two banquets are linked. We need to know that. And so now let's read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Here's what the text teaches us. We're going to read more passages than normal. But I want us to read the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Here's what the text says. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You see, Jesus and his disciples are upset. By the way, wouldn't you love it right now if someone walked into your house and said, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest? How many of you would be like, I'm coming? Like, let's do that, right? I want to have, yes, I need a quiet place. Just picture this, though. There's the pall of death over the nation, and Jesus comes forward and says to his disciples, we need to get away. We need to take a break. We need to find rest for our souls. Reading on, it says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Doesn't that sound awesome? Just go with your buddies to a solitary place, right? Reading on. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed, saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And then there's this very odd phrase. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You see, King Herod was supposed to be their shepherd, and he wasn't one. And now Jesus looks at all of these people and they have no leader. They have no one to shepherd them or to bring them towards who God is. And so they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them all, directed to have all the people sit down in groups on the, what kind of grass? That becomes key sitting on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up these big doggy bags, 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of fish or bread and fish and the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So there was about 15,000 people that had had dinner. Now, what we begin to discover is, is that what's happening in the feeding of the 5,000 is you have Herod's banquet here. It's a banquet that's to celebrate life, but it ends in death. 
And now what you have is you've got Jesus' banquet, and it brings life. And what the Gospel of Mark is doing is presenting to you two kingdoms and asking you the question, which one do you want to live in? And which type of king are you going to follow? That's the question. And what's really interesting to take note of is that for those of you who like to go deeper into biblical understanding, and my prayer is that's all of us, but for those of you who want to go deeper into biblical understanding, I want to draw our attention to Mark chapter 6, verse 39. And it says this, I've already read it. It says, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. But what you can't tell in English is that in the Greek, there's a word that's repeated twice And it's translated as group in your Newer Testament NIV translation, but it's repeated twice, and it's so awkward, the translators don't translate it groups, groups. They just do it once. But in the original Greek, it simply says this, that if you look at it, it says, Jesus commanded them to recline all groups, groups on the green grass. The Greek word that's repeated is the Greek word symposium, symposium. It's a technical Greek word, and here's what it means. It means a drinking party, a company, guests at a party. And so what the Gospel of Mark is trying to convince you of, as you've just read about a drinking party at King Herod's palace, an elite group of people, an exclusive group were invited. It was to celebrate life, and it ends up in death. And now Jesus is having the exact same thing. He's having his drinking party. But everyone's welcome. Everyone can come. And Jesus' symposium works itself out in life, not death. And what the Gospel of Mark is presenting to you and me is that there truly are two kingdoms, and two kings. So how do we put feet to our faith with this message? First of all, to be a part of King Herod's kingdom, you've got to be a somebody to be invited to his banquet. But in Jesus's, you are welcome to come. Not only this, but King Herod's symposium, his banquet, is in the palace, it's based on pride and human passion and power. Jesus's is in a field. It's in the green grass. It's for the purpose of rest and restoring your soul. It's there to bring you life. And the idea simply is, which one do you want? The Bible now is kind of holding two banquets with two kings. Which one do you want? Which one do you head towards? And the gospel is clear which ends where. One ends in death, and the other ends in life. One exhausts your soul, and the other one restores your soul. In the description of the feeding of 5,000, there's that strange phrase, Where the text says in verse 34, and when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. It's a very odd phrase. 
And then the text, as we already looked at it, said in verse 39 that Jesus directed them all to sit down in groups on the what kind of grass? Green grass. It's a very technical term. And what the Mark's gospel is presenting to you is something that the people at Jesus' banquet probably were beginning to understand but is lost on us. And that is, is that those two ideas in the gospel of Mark are actually found in the most famous psalm in the Older Testament. And so to conclude our time, I'm going to ask that you would stand with me. And as we stand together, I want us to say out loud Psalm 23. And as we say it out loud, I want you to hear the psalm of King David. And I want you to hear it as you say it, and then think about the episode that we just read. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. Whenever I do a funeral, this is the psalm that I use. Let's say it out loud together. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, Jesus has literally acted out Psalm 23. He has literally taken that psalm, and he made people lie down in green pastures, and he prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemy. And it was all done in the valley and the shadow of death. You see, Jesus, as our shepherd, ushers in his kingdom. Anyone is welcome that wants to come. Anyone. And so what I'm going to ask that we would do now is close our eyes in God's presence. Have you been caught up in Herod's kingdom? Have you been caught up in being on the right list? Grasping for more and more. Have you found yourself exhausted by and concerned about how your life is being lived and where it's going? I've got good news. I've got gospel for you. It's the announcement of kings and kingdoms. There is a king who is actually a shepherd. And if you will follow him, even though there's the pall of death, if you will follow him, he will bring you to green pasture and restore your soul. Jesus is the king of a kingdom, but everyone is welcome. And he provides a spiritual banquet that's filled with life for you and for me. 
If you have never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you right now to just pray a very simple prayer. And the prayer is a prayer of surrendering your life to follow him. That you are tired of Herod's kingdom and the weariness and the death that has brought you. And you know this morning that you need life. The prayer would go something like this. Jesus, I don't know everything there is to know about who you are. But what I know is I need a shepherd. I need a king that will lead me. Jesus, take me as I am. Forgive me for where I've been and what I've done. I confess and repent those things to you. But I thank you that in your kingdom, everyone is welcome. Everyone. So Jesus, take me as I am. But please don't leave me the same. Jesus, in this moment, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And I pray this in Jesus' name, in Christ's name.